All right, welcome back. And for the YouTube listeners, you'll notice we're in the same clothes. So we're just recording these back to back. What's up? <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> so today uh, we're coming off my episode where we sort of talk about what are we calling these? The flexible life aspiration, uh, being inspired and do it yourself. You can too, listener episodes. It's a really long title. That's like a. Yeah, yeah. So you got to get the keywords. Full on title. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I guess we're just kind of doing like, you know, after the first couple deals, what are we doing to sort of hit fi? Um, how have we sort of settled up into where we are in life now? Because I think that we're both, if kind of in the situations that we want to be in for the most part, or at least close to, um, mm-hmm. a lot more so than maybe whenever this was just an idea in the back of the head. So yeah. kind of how we how we've arrived that situation a little bit grew and then sort of what we plan on doing next once we hit phi or perpetual pursuit of phi whichever you would call it um yeah so yeah that's where we are there we go all right and tony um for you this is very different than me um we're going to be talking about sort of how you transition out of your sort of single guy doing the house hacking and you actually decided to basically start sort of a company right you left your job and you actually sort of made a career out of being a real estate investor rather than uh like a hobby slash income offset out of being a real estate investor right Um, and then i don't know if we'll have time we'll maybe we'll sort of talk about what your plans are like how that continues to grow and how you manage that so right. um, why don't you give me a quick recap of uh, your recollection? My recollection is you now have three house hacks or just yeah. two. So the, the history here, my wife now, girlfriend slash fiance while we were scaling up and I had three, three duplexes, um, mm-hmm. all that we had intended to house hack. We talked in the one episode about how I kind of, got out of it for the second one but (laughs) yeah did everything as if i would have and um you know that's where we are and then talk about i guess i wouldn't say it was intentional but i had been working part-time as a realtor and i my first two clients actually turned into sort of business partners Mm. so prior to these two episodes, we had an episode about just um, different ways to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between your story and a lot of the things that we had talked about, we've talked a little bit about like the burr strategy. We've talked a little bit about house hacking mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the way that I would say I really grew was through partnerships um, and kind of building out a larger company. So where we are now, I'm in my third property, selling a few houses on the side. And my first customer ever still wanted to buy in Pittsburgh, but he ended up terminating one of the houses he was under contract on. And he just approached me and said, how would you feel about partnering? So, you know, at the time... So just just to, so I understand what that means. He was going to buy this property as an investor himself and then he said no i don't want to do it but then he came to you and he said why don't we buy it so he was under contract on a duplex Mm -hmm. the duplex 
needed a lot more work than we had thought from the inspection. So he terminated that deal. And we were just talking after he had terminated it. And I, you know, I was pretty honest with him through the process. I told him to terminate it because I was like, he was still going to buy it. And I was like, this is going to be way more work than I think you should do remotely. I like you. I like the way you move, Tony. More or less, it was like there was some trust <clears throat> inherent. And he said, well, you know, it would be really nice to have boots on the ground to do everything. Why mm. don't we start looking for a house? So then we had found a house, a single family place that needed some work. Um, there's a whole big, long story around that. Okay. But long story short, we were going through hard money process uh that fell through like two days before closing um which gave put a bad taste in my mouth from hard money i think it's yeah not as straightforward as people on the internet make it sound um but yeah so that fell through and i remember i was coming back from actually getting engaged in europe and Mm -hmm. we were at the airport in france and i got a call and it was like hey the hard money thing fell through sure but i got i figured it out i was like oh good that's a good partner i was like that's (laughs) cool i said how'd you figure it out and he had he's like well you know i pulled all this different stuff from different places and blah blah blah. and i was like well i cleaned my couch are you sure you want to do that because that's no risk for me but whatever and he's like yeah "Yeah, let's just get the deal done so then i you know we came back we got it done renovated it put a tenant in even the story of that tenant is bizarre because i had never met them they were moving here from south carolina and yeah and i was you know my my dad and i had worked on the property together uh to fix it up um for somebody to move in And I'm waiting for them to sign up, to show up, to sign the lease. I told them I would just sign the lease at the house. And my head the whole time, I'm like, please don't just show up with like a U-Haul and start moving your stuff. And lo and behold, they show up in a U-Haul before they even paid me the money and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope these people aren't crazy. But they gave me the money. Oh, that's good. Signed the lease. And they literally started moving in right there. The back of my head, I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't want to keep doing it this way. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it, they ended up being fine and um, went through the process on that property. We refinanced it, paid off what my partner had invested, and we had a nice. house. Um, so the my I think that the thing that worked out well with that was that I had already known my business partner from having worked with him as an agent. And then also we're both pretty chill, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like we divided up. The other thing that I learned from that that worked really well was if you are working with somebody else, a partner or even a spouse or friend or whatever, um, we divided up the tasks pretty cleanly. So it was like anything that needed to be, yeah, anything that needed to be done on the ground, Tony did anything that, um, needed to be done could be done remotely my partner did so having that division and then not overstepping any boundaries like my 
partner was never like picking paint colors or getting into arguments about flooring choices or budget or whatever. It was pretty much just, I trust you to take care of your stuff. You trust me to take care of my stuff. We're going to make it work. And then that way we haven't had any arguments or anything with him. And we've been partners for probably five years now. Never really had a a problem. Um, So that's, that's been pretty solid. So you had a a success there and then uh, are you still working at this time or what's the, yeah, I was still, I was still working my day job and still, but you had made it quite flexible at this point, right? No, this was still happening while I was, I actually hadn't had the third duplex yet. This was before the third button chair guy still. Yeah. Button chair. Exactly. Okay, cool. And then I, uh, we were still looking for deals and I remember then I bought my third house hack duplex that we had talked about in the last episode. Okay. And right as I was leaving my job to go remote work from home, one of the guys at my work said like, um, hmm. he said, well, what are you doing to quit? And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do this real estate thing. I have some properties now. So we at least have some backup income, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, well, I actually have a 10 unit building that was my dad's I don't want it anymore blah 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 blah. so then this partner and I were able to buy that which was cool to kind of grow and at the same time as this stuff happening um I my second customer ever (laughs) approached Mm. me about um they had been building a portfolio of smaller buildings but he approached me about buying apartment buildings and stuff together and again, I didn't really have any money and the first partnership had worked out. So I was like, sure, whatever. They were basically Can't afford in, to say no now. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were out of uh, they were out of state too. So they needed somebody on the ground to kind of check out the properties, do some of the work, manage the properties, do everything. And the reason why they came to somebody to be a partner instead of just hiring it all out is that I found it's a lot as long as you have the right business partner and you're all working on stuff together right. and everybody's contributing there's a lot more they're actually going to get stuff done more than yeah. like a property management company that you'd hire everything's taken care of a lot more there's actual ownership of problems and tasks not like excuses pushing blame and stuff so as long as it's a good yeah, partnership yeah. it's a lot more effective than hiring out all these nice. tasks so at that time, we had put that partnership together too and had started mailing and looking for deals and everything okay. like that. Um, but so at this point in the game, I went work remote, had three duplexes, 10 unit properties, single family home, and two partnerships, one of which that hadn't bought anything yet. So before I just ramble, is there anything to unpack there, do you think? I mean, just to sort of recap the situation, right? So you yourself got into sort of the I buy ugly houses hustle. uh, And then you had two duplexes. And then I guess you became an agent, a real estate agent. Yeah. Is that correct? Well, I bought the second one while I was an agent, but I hadn't done any work with anybody prior to that. Oh, yeah, that's right. You became an agent to save money on your second deal. Yep. And, And then you're like, well, I'm an agent. I might as well like being an agent for other people too. You <laughs> found a guy and then, so you found a guy and then 
basically your, your agent customers liked how you operated. You moved with a certain uh, confidence, trust, candor. And if, essentially those became sort of your partners that then enabled you to switch out of sort of your, I get paid to sit in this chair and uh, do things into a slightly more free guy that gets paid now to <laughs> drive to buildings and uh, make more real lives. estate deals happen. Um, um, and you did that with, with, you weren't the money guy. Basically they were the money guys. These correct. are two separate partnerships. The one sounds a little more single family home slash opportunity focused, whereas the other one sounds a little more like, let's go buy commercial multifamily and send mail. Um, is, is there any conflict between those two partnerships at that point? Or not, does that not, not really, really Um I think that the other thing that I did well with my partners or that we all did well with was like, kind of setting expectations i mean the expectation mm-hmm. is that we would work together but it wasn't like you couldn't do anything else you know it was like okay i understand that you might go pursue your own deals outside of this whatever anybody i've mm-hmm. ever partnered with i've had that same conversation with and i've been like look you know if you want to do something on your own i don't really care if you know if I, if I want to do something on my own, then I'd appreciate the same courtesy, blah, 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 blah. So there mm-hmm. wasn't really too much conflict. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I was. Yeah. What actually enabled me to quit my job though, was my realtor income because I had, uh, I had been working part-time for a couple of years Got and it. I had built up enough business that I knew that I could quit and just work as a realtor and make enough money to, to survive and stuff like that. But the long-term goal was always buy enough properties to support my income so that I don't have to do the realtor work forever every right. day. Cause it is very, I would I say think it's, it's a really important point, though. but it's a grind. Yes. I mean, all jobs are a grind if you do them for 30 years too. Right. So the, uh, I think the really interesting thing is everyone thinks there's this like romantic step of, Hey, I'm just going to have one job and then I'm going to quit that job and I'm going to transition to this new life. And it kind of works the other way where you go from one job to maybe two or three jobs <laughs> and then you leave that other job behind. It's um, that's been true in my life. And it sounds like it's been quite true in your life as well. So. Yeah. Plus the other important caveat that I didn't mention with the properties, even until today, we don't, really take money from the portfolio so even though the portfolio generates money we still don't yeah we use we use it for the business to improve the buildings buy more properties do that sort of thing at this time all my partners and i are still working so we don't necessarily need the money um my original partnership with the guy we bought the single family house we finally take money from that one because everything's stabilized. He's doing a lot of stuff on his own. So if we found if we found a deal that made sense, we would still probably buy a property with each other, but there's no like business around it really. It's it's more just an investment thing. It's not like a whole thing. So um we yeah. and we you're able to do that because you're doing these bird deals, right? I yeah. mean, that's that's basically how the capital accumulates then if you don't have uh, yeah if, if and he does supply. he does syndications so we like oh wow so he's we, really the money guy 
Uh, yeah. Well, when you do syndicate, he's like the general partner, so he finds the money for his syndications. We didn't do any of ours as syndications, but it was to the point where we like had a bunch of cash sitting in the account for the properties I have with him, and I was like, "What do you want to do with this?" I said, "I don't really need." I was like, "I don't really need the money." I said, so I don't care about getting it. Do you need it? And he's like, no. And I said, well, why don't we just do something then? And he said, well, we could invest it in one of my syndications. And, and I was like, whatever, fine. So now double benefit for him, I guess, but we make like, I think 10% or 8% on the money or something that would otherwise just be chilling. So Kind of cool. That sounds good to me. Um, but yeah, I'll so that's that. where we were at that time. That's still kind of Tony doing all the work. Like I was the property manager, handyman sometimes, renovating the units. I'm still doing all that crap with with where I am in the story now. So got it. So when we're there, eventually um, my other partnership and I from making connections and stuff, that, that's the company that would turn into, turns into kind of my main real estate business type thing. But we had found our first deal. Um, on that first deal, I was doing all the leasing. I was renting it, fixing the places, property managing, all mm-hmm. the crap. But at that time, I was still still finishing up my work from home. I had negotiated my job to be like work from home so I could work as a realtor, do the real estate stuff and work a day job. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, we could probably have whole episodes on how to kind of transition your job. But, um, but for lack of that, it was really busy. And I realized like I gained a bunch of weight. I was really stressed Mm. out. This just Mm. wasn't, wasn't what I wanted it to be yeah you're grinding a little too hard yeah um the concept of burning the candle at both ends sounds romantic until you're actually doing it every day and then yeah some people pretend to like it and I'm sure there's a few sickos out there that really do but I think most people just pretend it's not something that most people really it's hard to live that way um, yeah long term yeah definitely. yeah it's I think in any entrepreneurial pursuit it's necessary for a time like during that initial scrappy scale-up period you kind of have to um but then what happened was my partnership with the two guys my second customers that was turning into more of a company type idea eventually we went under contract on another property and i was just like look guys i need some assistance because i'm going crazy we're not collecting money from this. So I'm not like I'm spending <laughs> yeah. a bunch of time. Well, actually we were paying me for property management, but we weren't collecting any money as owners. So I was making, I think 5% of the rents at the time for some of the places, not, uh, not all of them. Um, my deal was like, if you guys are still, until we refinance out your capital, like their money, until we do that refinance, you don't need to pay me for property management because my contribution at that time is my time. Your contribution is your money. Once we refinance, That's your sweat the, equity, basically. Yeah. yeah. Once we refinance, I want, I want my property management money though. Cause it was a lot of work, but I eventually yep. just said like, 
this is too much. We need to find somebody. So then we ended up, you know, I, this is where it starts to become a bit more of a company. And I went out, I quite simply just put something on Facebook that said, I need property management help. Got a recommendation for our property manager. I interviewed, I think like three people. She had good experience. And I just said, Hey, you know, can we do this like 1099? Come on down. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of uh, contracted her to help us out 1099. Okay. Um, which basically means we just give her tasks and she accomplishes them. We don't have like hours or whatever, but she's a good employee, a good, a good contractor for us, does good work for us. So it's like she, um, she fortunately was someone who fit well with that type of type yeah. of uh, arrangement. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we just kept refinancing, buying buildings, doing apartments this started to get bigger and bigger um we had scaled up our mail we had uh, my one partner who handles acquisitions he had started doing way more networking we basically tried to put our a number of different irons in the fire for deal acquisition so networking talking to brokers loopnet multi-list like at all every way that we could find deals we were trying to find deals mail Got and it. we had scaled up to maybe 70 units total in the whole portfolio over um, how long two years wow so pretty aggressive yeah maybe three so that was everybody in the partnerships buildings um so that was like around that number under management, maybe 50. But at that point... Wait, so did you merge both these partnerships into one? Just some They're point? still separate just... companies, separate things, but um, our property manager was kind of helping with all of them. So there okay. was kind of like almost the infrastructure that we were building was overarching of everything, but all the companies okay. were still separate separate things because my partners... 412 agent enterprises. <laughs> Got it. Something like that. Um, and at that point, we're really struggling with our contractors. Mm-hmm. And it's like... As you do. <laughs> yeah. Once you, hit, once you hit 40 or 50 units, it feels like there's something that happens every day. Every day, yeah. Especially in an area like Pittsburgh where the houses are older. There's almost and the weather's tough, yeah. Yeah, almost always something breaking. So at that point, my partners and I that owned the bulk of my properties were like, mm-hmm. we should look into hiring a handyman, bring you on employee. So this was great because you're growing, but at the same time, an employee with benefits and on payroll and everything is pretty expensive. We were a little bit spoiled because the way that we had the property manager role definitely fit 1099 type thing. But the way that our handyman was going to be managed and everything was not under 1099 rules. And it was, yeah. So hiring him, it's actually my father. So we were able to hire my father from, he he was doing maintenance work for a, um, Hmm for a commercial company and he had all the right experience and he's probably yeah. 
You trust him? He would say <laughs> he would say five years. I'll say ten years out from retiring. I see. So I so I was like, he'll probably retire faster than I want him to, but whatever. Um, so I was like, you know, this is a great situation. I can just match your compensation at your company, give you a little bit more money since you're independent, that sort of thing. Um, my partners were totally on board again, same concept as my other partnership. Like we all had pretty divided roles and we kind of stayed out of each other's hair and just trusted the people to take care of their, their thing, but help each other. Hey, Tony, this is your thing. Basically. More or less, they were like, you know, we had some conversations money wise, like, can we afford it? What's the benefit? We looked at how much we were paying outside contractors. And we were basically like, for the amount that we're paying outside contractors, we could just pay our own person. And at about, I think we were a little bit more expensive with our own person at the time, because we there's still things that you can't have a handyman do, like the right. HVAC stuff, the plumbing, the electrical roofing a bunch of the bigger things but all the dumb crap that we were paying money on we could just have our own person do um so that was kind of where it became more of a company and what i think is interesting is that most of the people that you see online talk about real estate investing they're not really at least the bigger people aren't really like hands-off real estate investing they almost own a. It's like you have to think of it as you own a company, and the product is rental real is like rental properties. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, I agree. Because once you get to a certain point, you know, I would say that I talk to my employees pretty much every day with something that comes up. They're they're doing it, so it's definitely a lot nicer for me because I don't have to go out and go let somebody into the property and meet them and do all this stuff. But I'm still right. kind You're delegating. of puppet master like director yeah, yeah. of operations type thing um yep. and that's that's where we were for a while and we had our property manager and our our handyman and eventually we kept acquiring buildings and i could tell that the staff was getting pretty stressed out and it was just like you know i kept More telling work, my, same pay. well <laughs> kind of yeah i mean yeah. I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? You as the equal ish uh, work, just, yeah. You, as, could, you get appreciation and portfolio stuff and they don't, that's, that's always the tension, right? Between sort of, yeah, the but we've always, um, I try to make, we try to make it so compensation isn't really even like a stress for them. So right. like they, they get raises without asking for them. We pay them more than somebody in an equivalent role at another company would get paid. Uh, for the people that are full-time employees, they get ben- like pretty good benefits. Yeah. So really, there should never be a conversation about compensation because we kind of head that off by just treating them well from the start. So they're all cool. paid. Like they're, they're all paid more than they would working anywhere else. And I try to, as their manager, we try. I try to make it so that they like, they know that stuff that bothers them is important. So like, they don't need to keep mm-hmm. doing stuff that's annoying. They like, don't need if to we, suffer. Yeah. yeah. If we have an annoying tenant, for instance, that's like causing them stress. 
I'm like, when they come up for renewal, just ditch them. I don't even care about the money. Like, just ditch it. This doesn't need to be a drag for you. Like, the easier this is for you, the longer you're going to stay, you know, on a selfish level, the longer they're going to stay, the more efficient we are because it's the same people, that sort of thing. But even just on a personal level, knowing, like, being an employee, if your situation sucks, you're, I don't know, pretty, pretty unhappy overall. And then on top of that, you're probably looking for another gig, you know? Yeah. So you need, you need some optimism. Like the future will be better than the present. Right. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So we just stay pretty open with like, um, there's a book called extreme ownership too, which is like that Navy SEAL jock. Navy SEAL stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I read that and I thought that made sense. So I try to incorporate some of that too, with like, if something goes wrong, it's my fault. I'm not going to like blame them, you know, unless the same problem happens over and over and over. And I told told them up front, I'm like, if I've explained it to you and you screw up, then it's my fault for not explaining it to you. Right. But if I explain it to you, you tell me you're totally clear. You keep going. I've given you everything you need to succeed and you're still not succeeding. Then it's still my fault for trusting you to do that. But ultimately, like. You might be removed of these responsibilities. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually, there comes a point where it's like my responsibility, my ownership now has to be to just get rid of the problem, which could potentially be Which the might problem. be you. Yeah. Fortunately, we don't really have anybody on our team where the problem is them. Yep. So anytime something comes up, we just try to work on it. And I think that creates a good work environment for them that there should be some continuity. But back to the story, we're acquiring, <laughs> acquiring properties. I can tell it's stressing out the team. We maybe had around 80 or 90 units then, which is a lot for one property manager and for one, one handyman. So then we made the decision to hire a second one. But obviously with the second handyman, we then needed to grow more, so more, needed more money. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where we are now with okay. two, two handymen, one property manager. And once we buy these next two buildings, we'll probably be, I haven't done the count, but should be at like 150 units. Okay. Or right around that under management um so my takeaway from the listener cool. is you, you sort of have to grind in the beginning right there's like a grind phase to this stuff and then for you you eventually then found like a little side hustle you took opportunities right so you got your agent's license to save a little bit of money on your first place and then you basically parlayed that into a side income you parlayed that into your partnerships you parlayed that until you did these burrs until you started to have enough wealth that you started to get growing pains. And mm-hmm. I think there's an important lesson there where even when things are going great, like everyone's like, Oh, Tony quit his job. He's doing, he works for himself now. Da, 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 da. There's still like bad things that happen. Right. Oh, definitely. And you I experience mean, these growing pains. So many you stories to, within that. <laughs> you hit these inflection points in the business. Right. So for mm-hmm. you, this is like, I'm doing it all myself. That doesn't work. Now I have a property management person but, you know, even that's not working at a certain point, right? We have to delegate out. Uh, that's why you're hiring staff and 
you probably had something similar on the deal side, right? We didn't really talk about the acquisition side. We talked more about operations, but you know, you're acquiring things and then that works until it doesn't work. The market changes or the size of the company yeah. changes and you have to try new strategies. So these, you know, things work until they don't work. And there's sort of these inflection points. I know more about them from my experience in business around headcount, right? It's like stuff that works with three people does not work with 10 people, does not yeah. work with 20 people. And it sounds, there's probably some analogy here with units, right? Like, Stuff that works with three yeah. units does not work with 10 units. And at 50 units, something's breaking every day, you know, and you have these, like for and me, and it just gets more and more. Yeah. And um, so that's awesome. And that, to me, that, that thinking for the listener is a great way to sort of see like a big roadmap, right. For maybe what your future could be like, if you want to grow into a real estate business, just thinking about these major steps, but understand at each of those inflection points, there's like a stress period, right. You're, you're sort of like a frog in water. And then eventually you're boiling and you're like, I got to hop out to the next bucket. I got to hop out to the next bucket. Um, That's a good analogy. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the other thing too, and then the other point I missed was we hired a company to take the phone calls from mm -hmm. tenants because our property manager was able to do most of her job. So it was getting stressed with being interrupted all the time by yeah, phone calls sense. about everything. But um, really the thing here too is that there's a few different ways to do this. Number one, you can kind of passively invest as passively as possible in real estate by hiring a property manager. The property manager does all this stuff that literally I just talked about was my problems. Um, mm -hmm. On paper, that's what they are supposed to do. However, the reason why we did all this on our own was because especially with all this, like we're very active real estate companies. So a lot of this involves turning buildings, uh, putting in new tenants, a lot of moving parts more so than just buying pretty turnkey buildings and renting them, that sort of thing. So that control is really what makes it possible. If you try to hire out every aspect of it, I don't think our business model is really built for that. Um, but the other thing too, is just in addition to control over that process, just control over the quality of what you're putting out. Like with employees, it's so much easier to just kind of tell them like, go here, go here at this time, do this, do that, rather than even having a third party contractor where you're like, hey, can you please show up? Please, I need you, please. With an employee, it's like, hey, you know, take off go. time from this project, go to this one. And then they just, if they're a good employee, they just follow your instructions. Um, same thing yeah. with like a property manager, you know, we brought one in-house because then we know we're their priority. It's not like we're one of 800 different property owners that they have to answer to. We're just some name. Like we have one person dedicated to our stuff. We can run it how we want everything. Yeah. It's a control thing, really. Control, quality control. Yeah. And it's a lot more efficient and effective. I find when, you, when you're able to control that than it is to push off obviously you need to have the right personality traits to kind of manage a team and do all that it doesn't work for everyone but that's I the trade-off right is, yeah yeah so the the overhead is now you have to you have yeah. you have staff right so exactly but I, our, the other benefit too is that our operating costs are actually lower than they would be if we would go outside for everything so there's some economic benefit too um but that's generally, that's generally how I've been growing, you know, where I am now. We didn't even talk about the agent stuff because that's not really 
what this show is about, but you know, started to apply some of these same principles to my agent business too, to make that a little bit more, a little bit more passive. Uh, it's obviously still active income, but I have a team with real estate that works with a lot of the buyers. Um, my admin helps with a lot of the paperwork now, does all that stuff. So really what I've been doing to reach financial independence, so to speak, is building these into as self-operating businesses as they can be. Like I've talked to yeah. the property manager and I've told her eventually the goal, if you want it, is for me to hire a real, like a dedicated, another dedicated property manager, like hire somebody that does a lot of what uh, my current property manager does and then hire her on to a more like a W-2 role where she just basically becomes me almost. Yeah, like, yeah. Not yeah. totally, but where she does a lot of the, you know, orchestration day to day yeah. type stuff. Same thing with my real estate, with my realtor business, I'm still staying involved, but my buyer's agent who does a lot of the work, I'm like, Hey, instead of me being over top of everyone, why don't we eventually make this a partnership where I still bring in leads? I manage the office stuff. I still provide guidance and everything, but you know, you manage the agents. We bring in a couple more agents, a lot of that day-to-day stuff he does. So when you do this kind of thing, you are sacrificing a lot of income. I mean, if I was a solo agent, if I would, have sure. bought, if I would have somehow been able to buy these buildings on my own, I'd be making a lot more money, but everything that I've done, even within my partners, all of us have very productive roles in the company. It's not like one person just kind of sits there. Everybody has their area everybody's doing work everything you know everybody helps if somebody else needs like if somebody's too busy like my one partner just had a baby so we took on some of the like bill pay stuff as a company um nice. some things like that uh all that is what helps make it more passive and then part of that too is i'm taking all my gains from all this crap and throwing it into the market so that if one day i want to say like double middle finger to the real estate game I, I can just be like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm good. I got all this, these stocks. Yes. I'm done. Yeah. Um, that's a few money. Yeah. <laughs> more or less. Not that so you're going to do it. Right. But it's nice to know that you could, if you had to. Yeah. Very cool. Really the, the, even, you know, I wouldn't say because we don't collect money from the companies currently, and that's in the next year or two plan really we don't collect what we could collect from it um i'm not really phi but i'm almost yeah. like could be phi with one yeah, very paper, simple yeah with yeah. one very simple change i could just right we could can't uh, eat equity as they say well yeah. i mean even the cash flow from the business like we could just instead of putting it back into the company we could just turn a, a knob and be like okay now we're distributing and then yeah, withdrawals. Piece if we wanted. So that's get the, some owner draws flowing. I like it. All right. So even that that part of it makes it so, I guess, uh, freeing because you're just like, yeah. If everything else goes wrong, I could I could dip. And there's a life skill part to it, right? There's a money part to it too, but there's also a life skill. It's like, you know. If I took you and I threw you across the country and plunked you down in Oklahoma, you could probably figure out how to start all this stuff up again, right? You have this like skill set of 
I know how to manufacture money. Like, do you want to do it again that way? You know, you probably <laughs> skip some hard steps, but um, it's a very interesting skill that you acquire. Essentially, I know how to accumulate uh, and build a wealth building organization, which is really powerful. So yeah. very cool. All right. Well, we, this is a, uh, we're like 45 in. So I think let's, let's wrap this one up for everybody. Cool. Did you have any cl- closing thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts, I guess in the next episode, we can talk a little bit about what my next plans are since I know. Yeah, that we should do that. I'm I know kind someone. of like, I definitely hit this point where, like I said, could be five. So now I'm at this kind of like, I can sort of do whatever. Uh, and I'm kind of figuring that out. But what does we, that mean? Yeah, exactly. We can talk about that awesome. in the next episode. Let's talk about it for people. So, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay, excellent. Well, listeners, if you have questions about how you two can start your own real estate uh, empires, Call us 412-212-8366 or BeFreeRE on Instagram. Tony, your 412 agent everywhere on the interwebs. Yep. All right. And they Anything else for the people? In, just call them with any questions. Give us a, find us on YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe, whatever yeah. the thing that you kids do nowadays is. We're hey, have on, you ever wanted advice? TikTok. Have you ever wanted advice from a guy who started three companies and is maybe a paper FI? There you go. Here's your opportunity. <laughs> maybe paper fi <laughs> i love it yeah. but, all right well that's a good closing one right there there we go all right see you next time everybody see you bye, bye.